Welcome back to a special Thanksgiving <laughs> broadcast of the podcast. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And we meet kind of near the grocery store because I have some eucalyptus in the car that I had to buy for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And we are, it's early, well, medium early in the morning on Wednesday. Not early, but early-ish early because for us. we still have to get out of here and make a bazillion foods. But I'm saying that usually we're in the darkness and today oh, it's yeah, yeah. like... We're, we're in the daytime. We're in the mm-hmm. the late part of the morning. Yeah. Of the early morning. It doesn't matter, guys. It's we're still drinking coffee for we're the first coffee. time today. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is the not second. my first it's time. It's the second time, but it's the first batch of uh-huh. coffee drinking of the Would day. Would you like to know how many cups I've had? We could get through the batches and the cups and the Yeah, well, I've had one cup, it. and I'm on to my second. <laughs> so, recently, yeah. I are, uh, we have a Keurig, which I bought when I was... I think I felt like I didn't need to answer to anyone when I was pregnant with Moses. Like... Don't tell me it's a waste of time and energy. I can make coffee with one hand, and I care about that with no cleanup. There's nothing to clean up, and there's no... no and it, so we we just switched to a Keurig, but then this week, our Keurig started doing that bad thing that Keurigs do sometimes where they start blowing coffee grounds out everywhere, and so we <laughs> had to go get a new one. The glamour. We, yeah, but in that day, that <coughs> day where it wasn't working, I was like, man, I just cannot get it together today, and then sometime in the afternoon, I bought a coffee when I was out, and I was like, was that the problem? <laughs> I feel so better. It could I, be. I feel like I can get anything could done. could be the reason. Also, in typical form, because we are hosting Thanksgiving, I took that as a cue to get out all the snow clothes to sort who has snow pants that fit. And and Sometimes then to I get think... all of the books, the kids' books, mm-hmm. I did the sticker mm-hmm. implementation. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well done. Took us a day and a half. And yeah. so that is how we did not get ready for I Thanksgiving. Think there's sometimes a weird impulse to self-sabotage. Yeah. But actually, in some ways, <laughs> not because it makes us get it done faster. Well, uh-huh. And that it's I know like, Thanksgiving is going to be a mighty thing to clean up like after. But it's like playing chicken with yourself. A little bit, yeah. But it's like Thanksgiving is going to be a mighty thing to clean up after. Mm-hmm. But how much mightier? Like, it would probably take us you know, until March to clean up from it. (laughs) If we didn't, if we stuffed all the kids books into Mm. the back without having organized and purged and gotten rid of stuff. If we were like just getting things out of sight, it would take us like four months to recover from No, and I'm doing a massive sweep through the home right now, uh, uh, which is kind of a pre-Christmas purge festival. Mm -hmm. But it's like my, my current policy that I've learned the hard way and this is what I'm actually, I'm excavating some of the repercussions of having done this wrong before is that there's this room that is kind of a storage room, but it's because our house is being remodeled. There's a perpetual like, Oh, we need to move everything out from there because we're about to tear that wall open Mm -hmm. or we need to drag all this stuff and there's nowhere to put it. So it's like, well, go stick it in that room because the room is gutted. And so it's not like we're using it for anything else. So it's like, go go put it in there. Well, that room has become recklessly evil. So, yeah. As it would. And what happened was I did a big purge through the kids' rooms. I sorted it into 
like, here are some things that I should sell at a garage sale or whatever. And they went into boxes. And then because I wasn't ready to do it yet, they went into that room. And then they got uh, stuff put on top. So uh, now. no. Terrible. Yeah. So what I'm doing now is filling up a garbage bag and a box to take to the thrift store. And then a bunch of junk to throw in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I have, like, two bags done. But this is all within the space of an hour. I just put it in the car and I drive it right then and there yeah, to, the, no, to the thrift store. No making a pile no. of things. And yeah. then I come back and I keep working. It's like, it only takes like seven minutes to yeah. drive there and back and throw it out the door at the poor sad person standing there to receive my goods. Yeah. And then I go home and then I keep doing it. But it's, I've shoveled a lot of stuff to the thrift set, to the thrift store and taken other stuff to the garbage. Cause a lot of times it's like, what on earth was I thinking that this got saved? After yeah. a passage of time, you it can looks no a lot more like garbage. Yeah, no. you can no longer see any value. No. That is how it is when you, after your first child, store the clothing. Mm-hmm. And then when you're pregnant, you pull out a bin and you're like, what? Like, yeah. why would I want a saggy <laughs> onesie for my fresh new child? <laughs> like, nobody wants that. No. That's not it. <laughs> and it, and so I, Yeah. I'm I'm more of a purger, I think. There are categories of things that I have a great deep amount of. But I purge often. I am a merciless purger. No, I purge. I purge. But then the problem is, is if I don't get it, get rid of it right then. But the other problem I have is that because of the remodel, it's not all the remodel's fault. Some of it's just mismanagement. But because of the remodel, there have been various phases of kids' bedrooms where mm-hmm. it's like you guys, all the girls are moved out and we're all sleeping on mattresses for a bit while yeah. we're right. trying to get that room sheetrocked. So they themselves have had to pack up a bunch of materials. Yes, which then yeah. at frequently they will just go like, oh, I'll just go put it in that room. But then I look at it and I'm like, is this a treasured box do of you possessions care or, do or you is this not stuff care? you didn't want this is so, what we did with our books is we put all the kids books out on the tables because we put a big table down in the middle room for thanksgiving yeah. so we were we put all the books out and then we went through and i would be like is this a fun book and by the way that's got to be the most entertaining thing to do ever with your children because so i have thousands of and actually i'm in a position to say that we are well past a thousand children's books in our house. Oh, good job. Because you. I had a thousand stickers. Oh, and nice. we went right Threw past it. that. <laughs> and part of the reason we went past that is because we did, we didn't, but there were lots of them that we did not mark. So any of the ones that are in like big series where you should already know where they go, like famous five, secret seven, yeah. Mallory towers, mm-hmm. and mysteries. Those are all like big book collections or, or ND Wilson books. Yeah. yeah. So, all of those, we didn't mark the Christmas ones. I went and bought Christmas stickers mm-hmm. for the Christmas ones. Nice. But we did separate boys' books from girls' books, which is not a hard and fast line, obviously. And then right. green was for all the picture books, like little kid books. And then yellow was for all the early reader, like the you know beginning chapter books, like My Father's Dragon, and because mm-hmm. Shad is right on that. Okay. Uh, so obviously he reads the, any of the green picture books, but also it separates some of the early beginner chapter books from yeah. big chapter books that yeah. he could not mm-hmm. get through right now. But I've always felt like Titus was missing some of the titles in our collection because 
how could you know it was for you when it was between Strawberry Girl no, and yeah. L.M. Montgomery? Yeah. You assume that there's some sense to the filing. Yeah. And yeah. that this is not a title for you. But right. you're like, no, I think you would like yeah. this. Like, just because there's a henty stuck there mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's a girl book. So we separated them by, like, girlish books and boyish books just yeah. so that there's an easier way to find your yep. reading materials. Yep. Well, it's funny that you're doing this because I'm not doing a sticker system, but when we first moved into our house, we had all these built-in bookcases in the front room. Uh-huh. And it's not the living room, it's like the front like, like you, a foyer. It's, it's like kind of a, a glorified big, foyer. It's a glorified foyer. It's a it's as big as a living room. What do you call it? We we struggle. The landing? There. No, because when I say the front room, the kids will go like, "Which front room?" And I'm like, "You know, the front room and it's not the entryway because we have an entryway so there's an entryway and then you walk into this room which is like a foyer but it has this big staircase in it it's difficult so that that room had all these built-in bookshelves in it and it was the first thing you saw when you walked in the door and they were rad except that they were built they were not adjustable shelves they were fixed shelves that were too short for most yeah that's hard to work with so it was really a pain and also because you couldn't stand the books up, they never looked tidy. Like some of your books had yeah. to lay down. It, like it was just, it always looked frumpy and weird. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, w- and we redid that room anyway, and, and the bookshelves left because I just didn't, I, yeah, I don't want the books right there. Yeah. So we took those all out, which meant all of our books went into cardboard boxes. And the cardboard boxes went into the kitchen for a little while, and then they went somewhere else for a mm-hmm. while, and now they're upstairs in the death room. And mm. so, and then the problem is over the time that that's taken, somebody needs a book. So what do they do? But oh, they have to no. go, they have to go rummage through all the boxes it's difficult. and they pull stuff out and then it gets heaped. And then, so anyway, I am currently digging out all the books. So what I started today is yesterday I spent a good bit of time going through the books and trying to just get them <clears throat> so all the spines are pointed up and it's not deep boxes full of books but right. like shallow boxes so they're easier to find until we get a bookcase situation. But I've been bringing down a small box like a a tub like a Rubbermaid tub with a heap of books in it and I'm just saying all right everyone is going to tell me you don't care if it goes to the thrift store or you do care. That's all I'm doing right now. And so then I will shovel those off today mm-hmm. and then I'll take the ones that have been approved by everyone. They will go upstairs and then I will bring down another tub tomorrow. But it's just to avoid the mountain of books coming yeah. down and overwhelming us all. We did the mountain. We did that. Yeah. Well, I'm. It was like, bring me the books from yeah. afar, the ones that you left in your yeah. room. The but these ones... are these are in a mountain right now, yeah. and I don't want the whole family with me as I struggle. So with we them. Could, there were a lot of quotes of things like, "Mom, what should we do with Meriwether Lewis? Because no one likes him, and he's not a missionary." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just dying laughing, like. Like, well, no, but apparently that book has not gotten a lot of wherewithal with my kids. And then the funny thing is I found out I have zero horse lovers. They really? like horses yeah. themselves. But books about Misty horses, they find really thin. <laughs> and so all of the... all I We did keep Black Beauty, maybe, and Black, black Stallion. Black yeah, Beauty. but so do they. We all hated all of them. And they were so funny because they were like, oh, 
<laughs> that in the dog books. Nobody wants a dog book. And they, they, the judgment, the judgment was running thick on some I'll of our book choices. I'll tell you where the judgment falls in my family. <laughs> it falls hard on one book in particular, which stands for books they don't like that they read in elementary. And that is The Door in the Wall. And if you ever get any of my children started, well, particularly the younger half, actually one in particular, but if you this get hero, them, if you get hero them going, sounds like the great hater of a she, book. She can speak long and and she can speak witty about that book. But anyway, think, she pulls up every so often. She pulls up the cover to be like, "I ask you, just look at this cover." <laughs> She has done a number of parodies on on the door in the wall. And she in particular dislikes the fact that there's a person named John Go in the Wind. I love... Yesterday, I think that these are the right books. So I was like... Somebody says, what about Carry On, Mr. Bowditch? And everyone goes, bah! And I'm like, why have you all read this and you all hate it? And someone goes, Mom, it's just like Sarah Plain and Tall. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually think it probably is just like Sarah Plain and Tall. But I remember deliberately... Uh, disregarding Sarah plain and tall where they're like Sarah was plain and tall and I was like mm, let's say not let's just yeah. disregard the title of the book I don't want to think of her as being an ugly girl so let's not do that let's yeah. just move on yeah and then there there are so many funny ones of like I don't even know why we have this in our house this is a bad book but it would be something that was really uh you know a classic <laughs> not a bad book and then but I also one of the things I had to say one thing that I love I'm really committed to tons and tons of books in our mm-hmm. house so I try to know what I'm buying but sometimes I don't and I and I would say that like with many of the horse the horse or dog books I that we dis that we you feel safe we enough got rid of those we got rid of those well they're older books sure. you know and actually universally our kids love Billy and Blaze books but not horse books like 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 sure horses can be fine but uh they just haven't gotten into all of the twelve thousand editions of the stallion's little brother having the (laughs) you know whatever and but books that i will buy like we have some hardy boys we have some nancy drew um we had boxcar children but we dumped those because no one could take them anymore um (laughs) but we have some of those because they are fluff like, and I treat them like they are the low density calorie reading yeah. material. It's like the PBJs. Yeah, but the, well, that's probably pretty dense calories in the PBJ, but you know what I mean. It's no. like roughage. It's like. It's not, oh, see, I was thinking more like, you know, it's not like when you're feeding It's not kids, great art. You know, yeah. steak for dinner. It's just, it's just a PBJ. Right. It's so fine. I love literature, but one of the things that's really important is that your kids also love literature. You know, that they love reading and that they love mm-hmm. doing that. So there's a couple of things I would tell you all about books if you have kids. And one of them is don't try to make everything they read be really high quality. Like, let there be a lot of variety that they can choose from. May I One qualify thing, this with yes. don't give them Sweet Valley High. No, no goodness. But what I was going <laughs> to say is that we have, like one of the things that comes up when we're cleaning out the books is 
kids themselves having noticed the difference between great writing and schlock writing. Yeah, yeah. Like when they're when they're like, I don't know how this guy does it, but this is a really good book. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, they're they're actively evaluating the mm-hmm. skill of the author because they yeah. have read Nancy Drew and they don't find any skill therein. They're like, yeah. eh, there's not a lot there. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's fun, but it's not, you know, um and most of my kids are too old for Nancy Drew now. I just have Blair probably still could throw a few back in an afternoon if she wanted to. <laughs> and um, But that's one thing. And the other thing is that I just don't try to overprotect the books. Because you want your kids to learn to enjoy books without this constant fear of having no, enjoyed a book. I feel like there's some people get into a weird reverence for books. Which is just wrong. Like, I should post a picture of we we discarded the Seven Silly Eaters because we had two editions of it. But one of them looks like, uh, it looks like if you, like, dipped it in, you know coffee and then blow dried it with and used a crimping iron and then took off little pieces of the edges it's like the the pages are all curled back but the seven silly eaters is a really funny little picture book Mm -hmm. and and the kids love it it's one of those rhyming fun ones and but i think that reverence for books comes i don't know if it ever should come but it comes well after learning to love them yeah and that the yeah. teaching your kids to enjoy reading is not going to be done by slapping their hand if you see them putting the book upside down or if you mm-hmm. see them. And so I'm always, yeah. I, I've had m- many books rained on because someone left them in the backyard. Many books yep. damaged and destroyed. Well, because I think the, the, the goal is not the book. The goal is the reading. And what's going into the mind of your child. And it's not... And so if a kid absentmindedly leaves their book in the car and it gets trampled upon heavily, I try to take it in stride. But like, there are mm-hmm. some books that I say don't take this yeah, out. Yeah, sometimes it's a it's a one-of-a-kind. It's hard to find. You're not going to be able to just pick up another one. But we do live in a time of easy access to books. You can find them. You can find them. And so, like, if it was a sort of a heirloom book or something that's different mm-hmm. but I I'm totally with you like how many of our books have the covers torn off and Lots. it's like you know what it's so alright we'll get another I one. bought some library glue um that is like a low pH or something glue that you can use for bindings and sticking hmm. stuff back on so we did some of that yesterday too but mostly the book the point of the books like I buy most of our second hand like I I really um uh, I go when I go to thrift stores. I always look at the books and buy books, mm-hmm. which is how we ended up with multiple editions of. But see, okay. some of those like where I'm like, oh, any Noel Strap Streetfield, Noel Streetfield. I know we probably thrashed a lot of those, so I so buy them when I see. Them. I feel like we may be inviting a question here because it sounds like we're contradicting what we said not long ago. Because I remember us talking lately about how. It's really annoying when people act like reading, regardless of what it is, that, like, reading is just a virtue. Mm-hmm. Or, and also, like, we would never just consider the library to be a safe place. Yeah. And so, flesh out, because I know we're not contradicting yeah. ourselves, but I can see how it might sound So, that the way. reason that I would, part of the reason I don't consider the library a safe place 
I like I would not take my kids just to be there regularly or something is because I have no knowledge of all of those books. So like, but in, but I do think that there's tremendous value in being surrounded by way more books and things than you could ever really get to. But I just, so because of that, I have put a lot of emphasis in our life on making so many books at our home that the kids always have something to read and never have an excuse about it. And I'm I'm not worried about it. You do actually curate the books that you bring home. It's not like, it's not like you just scrape in whatever might be at the thrift store. No, no, I'm looking in genres. So for a while when I was looking to fill out some series that are more popular, oh, and I should say about Narnia, I think we have like 35 Narnias (laughs) because we have multiple complete sets of them. Okay. But I never want their, like, we can't live on one silver chair. No. I mean, like, people, if people are reading them all over We don't have enough. I think we only have, like, two and a half sets. I have two of those big books of Narnia that all of them are in one book. Oh, Which I bought for the twins to have Mm -hmm. a read-off some summer. I found one used, and then I think I ordered the other one used so that they would have, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have those, and then I have multiple other sets. But I... But the reason I do stick within certain lines. So sometimes I go out on a limb if it's like an older Newberry classic or something. You know, like if it's one that I don't know it, but sure. it is an older, an older, not modern winner of some literary mm-hmm. thing. But my kids always, I'm like, if you find a weird book, if something weird is in it, come tell me. You know, like, yeah. whatever. Typically, I know. Like, I read, but I'm just we saying- have like Beverly Cleary, and I don't love her like Ramona mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. I'm like there's always some weird toods going in Ramona mm-hmm. and I bought a while ago I bought like um I mean years ago now it's like Dear Mr. Henshaw which I didn't remember at all and it was Beverly Cleary who I don't totally trust so you kind yeah. of were like huh so I read it and it's a very sad book like really sad it's like a story it's letters to an author from a young boy whose dad has abandoned him like oh who word. doesn't want him so it's the boy writing his favorite author about mm-hmm. like the bullies at school and about it. it's a very sad little book but i thought it was it was really well written and i kept it because i want my kids to know like I actually think it's valuable for them to read a book like that and actually sympathize with someone who does not have a stable home like they you know like to actually hmm. I'm like this is it's not like I think the book is teaching them like I think it's still valuable for what they can learn yeah. from it but dumb like um there's some newer Nancy Drews that somebody wrote in a lot of dumb relationships yep. into them. We don't have any of those. Like, none of that kind of thing. Yep. And any of the newer, like... Um, well, and I recall Sweet Valley High... American making, Girl books. We don't care. Unless that, like, the earlier the ones. The early ones are fine. But, but the newer older... The newer editions, we just are, like, probably not I just not remember in elementary school, like, maybe fifth grade... Uh, we would take trips to the library, like, because the Logos library was thin at the time. Mm-hmm. So we would all pile into the bus and go to the library and get books and bring them back. And some girl found the Sweet Valley High series. And so she was just re- just going through those. But then they were getting passed around to all the mm-hmm. other girls. And so somehow or other, I I ended up with one. Ooh. That somebody lent me, like, quick, read this. Read this it's on the an side. amazing book. And so I took it home. And I remember being like, 
whatever it was about the cover, I felt dubious. I remember the covers. They, it would have yeah, looked like I felt something dubious. we didn't mean to be reading. Yeah, and yeah. so I, came, I brought it home, and I remember Mom and Dad were like, ah, no, no, we're not doing <laughs> it's that. It's not one. our scene. So I took it back to whichever girl it was who had that. But I just remember, like... That's the kind... It's not like we would just buy any and all books for no, our kids goodness, just no. because, so, you know. So, ones that I won't do, and I don't even... Actually, some of these I just have an aversion to. I have not read them. But, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, I'm not interested. Like, the newer... The things that are newer... And I should say, oh my word, who's that mouse? It's that mouse that is, like... A new Evang- mouse? No, not Evangelina. Angelina Ballerina. Good heavenly day. <laughs> like many moons ago when our oldest was, she was probably like, you know, five. I don't know, maybe younger. Mm-hmm. There was a box set of Angelina Ballerinas at Costco and we were still needing more books in our life. So I got, I snaggled up the box set thinking, yeah. this will be fun. You know, what? Like, I was <laughs> like, Angelina you are the worst, and I don't want you with me anymore. But it started out, we started trying to read our way through the series. And now it comes off like it's going to be like Beatrix Potter or... Um, yeah, like it's going to be cute. Yeah, cute little like illustrations. Brambley Hedge-ish. Brambley Hedge, Beatrix Potter, even though it's more. And, and what happened in Angelina Ballerina was like... <laughs> Each book we started, we then threw away. Like, we were like, maybe this will be one that we don't want, so let's put this in the garbage. And then we're like, here's the weird Halloween one. No, let's put this one in the garbage, too. And then the next one, we're like, do you see how Angelina's being really naughty in this book? And and her parents are not doing anything about it. Like, And then one that I felt like was the pinnacle of all was one where... Angelina, oh, I hope I'm not misrepresenting the story. Some of you may know it. But Angelina finds she's going to have a younger sister. Okay. Or sibling. Okay. But she's just full of the wrath about it. Mm. So Angelina Ballerina, there is a full page spread of her in her room with her door locked, throwing lamps and stuff. I mean, like, like <laughs> are you joking me? And her parents at the door... You know, earnestly pleading for her mm. to know how much they love her. Mm. Like, like, but you, and the resolution of this is kind of like, aren't you, like, don't you see how Angelina just needed to be told <clears> that <throat> she was loved and she was yeah. precious. And then there's another one where <laughs> she wanted to be the star of a dance show and she didn't get the part and she's having, and she's having a fit about not getting the part. And then the lead twists her ankle. And it's like the happy resolution is that Angelina gets oh, no. the part after oh, all. No. I and I just was like, you know, Angelina, <laughs> we have no place in our hearts for you. Like, and, and my kids were little enough that they that it's like you're giving them uh, kind of like these are patterns of behavior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let me tell you a pattern of behavior, <laughs> and and it was bizarrely too close to things they might experience in their own life. So it's not like Tiki Tiki Timbo or something where at no yeah. time is your child going to lose their younger sibling into a well and have to go get the old man. You know. Well, I, I have to say, well, first <coughs> off, there are some barking dogs walking very, very slowly past us. So teeny little nasty Everyone ones. will have to put up with it for a few minutes. I don't think um, they'll hear it. They always tell us they can't hear what we talk about. If we roll down the window, you would hear it. Yeah. We're, we're, we might be caught in the crossfire of a teeny dog altercation. Because the teeny dog is on the other oh, side of the street. Teeny dog one, two, and three is yeah. what's happening here. Anyway, um, 
No, we discovered one time, and this is really funny. Uh, our kids were watching A Bug's Life because we had gotten the DVD, and I think we they were watching it in the car because we had one of those ridiculous little old DVD it, like, players that on the back of the, the, back of yeah. the seat. Because I think we were driving to Boise, so we got that, and it was yeah. like, you know, we're going to be in the car a long time. We'll let you watch a movie. So they were watching A Bug's Life, and uh, they'd watched it a few times. When we suddenly discovered, wait a minute, why do we all have such bad attitudes after watching A Bug's Life? Like, they would just be real snarky to each other, and we were having to, like, be, like, constantly paddling, and then it was like, well... I think it's the bug's life. I actually think... You're and entering too I was, much into I the bug's life. I was listening to the bug's life from the other room. I remember being like in the kitchen while they were watching the bug's life. And they're all shouting at each other. Like the entire time. They're shouting yeah. and angrily shouting and they at one another. may be bugs, but they're ugly bugs. Yeah. But then, yeah. but then they, the kids, after a run through of a bug's life, would be shouting at each other. And I was like, well, I know how to fix this. So we just... <laughs> Well, we if removed. you can't watch The Bug's Life with more maturity, then we, we're done with The Bug's Life. <laughs> We've removed it from circulation. One thing I found was with, a big help. I have found with little kids that it is one of those things, much like what we were talking about when you have a box of garbage, but you don't know exactly what to do with it yet, so you put it in storage. Yep. One of the things that mothers do is you have a difficult day with young children, so you put them in storage with a movie. Oh, like yeah. You're like, you know what? Why don't you sit down and watch a show? Mm-hmm. And what you are doing there is not going to help you at all <laughs> in the long run. Like, And I know there are times when I have done it that is not counterproductive. Like where you're like, you're really tired. It's not bedtime yet. You're yeah. being like weirdly fragile. And maybe if yeah. you just sat still or it's and like, chilled out I a little bit. I need to clean the bathroom and I need you to not be trashing the, you know, yeah. whatever. Oh, sure. I'll I'll just not, you, I'm not yeah. opposed to letting your children watch a show. But... There are real dangers in that. And the big one, I think, is that your kids go to, like, an alternative reality. And they veg out watching something else. And when it ends, they're, like, suddenly back in reality where you're telling them what to do. And they... It's like you have broken the normal conversation of the day, which is... Although, which to be is, fair, that is equally true of books. Yes, that can be true. But I think that less... but. Movies are much easier to plug much younger children into than, like, if you're, like, mm-hmm. mothers don't as often use the book. People get into a book, but mothers don't be like, here, sit down and read this book for four well, hours. you can have kids sucked into a book for four hours, but that is true. It, it's not going to be a three-year-old who's doing And it's that. not as easy for the mom to turn to that as a solution. It can happen, but it's not as easy. And I think that the movie thing is that they just come out of it in, like, a alternative reality you know and I actually think that it happens to adults as well like we've talked about your entertainment standards but like if you disengage from the reality of your life before God and your duties and your you know like you're just Mm -hmm. in an alternative world then it does not it does not help your perspective on your daily work Right. Like, you do not come out of having vegged out on movies all evening to be, like, no. feeling rejuvenated about what you have to accomplish. Well, I do think um, it's interesting, too, because some of the same thing can happen because being sucked into story grip in a really great novel, you can come out of it and feel thwarted also. Yeah. But there is a difference because when you're reading a book, you are 
more active than when you're watching something. So when you're watching something, you're almost completely passive. Mm-hmm. When you're reading something, you have to engage with it in a sense because you're imagining everything. Where I remember, I think Dad is the one t- who talked about this distinction, but if you have 10 people watch a movie together, everyone sees the exact same thing. Yeah. But if 10 people read a story, they each have a completely different world in their head, right? Because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have to fill in the details and you have to imagine. Yeah. Like everyone has the army charging over the hill in a different perspective or a different, you know, and so you imagine the characters in a different way. And so you're much more of an active participant in it when you're reading as opposed to, and it's true that you might just edit out Sarah being plain or tall. You might do that. I did that in Jane Eyre, but anyway, if you disregard this passage, (laughs) but, but if you hand your kids books and they, it's true that, like, they could spend six hours watching shows or six hours reading a book. And in both cases, it's a story. And in both cases, it's an imaginary world. And in both mm-hmm. cases, it's an alternate reality and all of that. But one, you're actually asking them to be actively engaged in as opposed to just, like, hanging their slack-jawed yeah. while something else does all the work. Well, while something happens to them. They have to go there instead of... And actually, I would say, here's an example. I used this when I was substituting in your class recently. Well, tell me so I know what we're talking about. I was talking to the... It would have been the sophomores about their commonplace books. Like, what's the point of a commonplace book? I was saying, you know when people have, like, a big map and they put a pin in all the places they've visited? Yeah. It was like, a commonplace book is sort of like that. That you are just marking a place that you mentally visited mm-hmm. like you actually considered this poem you thought mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. you marked it you remembered something that was an interesting place you know and when people put a pin in things they don't put a pin on the road the whole way to the thing yeah. they just put a pin in the thing that really struck them or the thing that was really lovely right. or whatever right and so by being to be a really interesting person you want to have been like like in your mind to many places like you want to have explored different things this is why history makes way richer people like having a different understanding of humanity because Mm -hmm. you've actually engaged with what happened at a different time and you've had a you've felt things about it you've sympathized with people right and um, and that's actually why, like, in the Dear Mr. Henshaw, I was like, this isn't a beautiful place that I want my kids to have visited, but it's important for them to know about it. Like, it's not, sure. it's not like everything has to be all idyllic um, yeah. and weird. But the thing I was going to say is that in a movie, when you're actually watching a movie, it's much more like not actually going on a trip, but sitting somewhere and ha- and having a video a video tour of Italy shown to you or something <laughs> like instead of actually doing the work of traveling and having those normal less glamorous times where the chapters harder to read or like where mm-hmm. there's more work to get to the the mm-hmm. the good points in a movie they do a ton of work to only show you, you the good points yeah. to yeah. like only uh, like to keep you engaged by not having any dead space that's like the journey from one place to yeah. another. Yeah. So, and, and I think movies can be 
I think great. You know, remember the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, wherein I do, I do. wherein they try to communicate that Elizabeth Bennet is a witty person exclusively through Kira Knightley's close-ups of her faces making faces <laughs> like where they can't be or you know when they're trying to show in a movie like that these two people really hit it off and then they fade to like just music where all you so you can't hear you they they can't right. because they cannot actually write the conversation that would communicate that because that would yeah. be way too skillful do you know what I mean like to actually be able to write in a few minutes yeah snippets of conversations that would make you think wow this is an interesting... Like, they're uh-huh. like, oh, let's just fade to the mood music and, uh-huh. like, I, uh-huh. I just think it's cheaper. It's not... We're, we are in favor well, of it still for... It's like, yeah, no, we're it's not a, opposed to this. It's a it's valuable just, genre. Yeah. It's just that it is different because I do think that, like, in um, Jane Austen is a good example where I feel like no, no production of it can capture her narrator voice. Yeah. And her narrator voice is so funny and witty and it's, and like you actually lose quite a lot, which, and I think the same thing is true of Woodhouse where like you can, in a movie, you can show the plot, but you can't get, but, how and you funny. can show the funny dialogue, but you can't get the hilarious you can only get the You can only get the dialogue. You can only get the wit that the people say. Right. But there's so much of Woodhouse that is things like the, like, what is it? That policeman walking down the alley his feet like a couple of violin cases. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah. like, you're not going to say that. You just have the policeman walking down the alley, but so much of no. the fun is or, in... Or like the, the guy who is thrown into a ditch somehow and he's searching for his glasses <laughs> that came off and he describes him as as like rooting around in the ditch like Nebuchadnezzar in search of better <laughs> pasture. <laughs> I still remember. I think we've already shared these. You can't the have one that where in a movie. Said, where it said her face shone like the seat of a bus driver's trousers. <laughs> or, or I remembered one the other day that was like um, a guy who's really tall and thin, and he says you could imagine Euclid if he'd been there, elbowing his friend and saying, "Don't look now." But this chat perfectly illustrates what I was telling you about a line having length but not breadth. <laughs> <laughs> or that, or that saying someone quaked like a jelly in a high wind. Like, I know. It's so, so or what good. was that one about her laugh? Like it was like the cavalry riding over a tin bridge. <laughs> and it's like you, you actually can't capture that in no, the film. No, and that's what makes it so fun to read is that right. it is. And so I do think that anyone who's trying to translate a book like that into film is necessarily going to lose a lot of it because we had, a, we had one of our one of our trilogy books uh from that we found yesterday the second two or the second two are uh one edition and then the first one i got in a different edition so they don't match okay. the trilogy doesn't match daphne was going on at great length about like i would never read this one she's like because this cover was sounding like hero in the, the door in the wall. <laughs> the door in the wall. She was like, because this cover just really imposed on my soul and I didn't like it. And it's a boy <laughs> on a horse, like riding. It's like a knight-ish. You know, it's like kind of a cheesy knight on a horse cover. She's like, but these other two yeah. looked really good. She said, so I tried to read the second one but I never knew what was going on but I could never get to the first one because this cover just hurts my soul 
I can't read it. It's well, like, I so know. Good. And yeah, Hero speaks a lot about the lack of plot in the door in the wall. <laughs> and how nothing of import happens. He's moody. I also, in the end, he, you know, it's I like, also told your class my problem was just when I read about first impressions. Because when I read Robinson Crusoe the first time. In high school, I think. I was just like, this has got to stop. Like, <laughs> why is this man making raisins out? They like, just to no end. Like, <laughs> raisins. Always a raisin. Like, I'm like, I mean, I think one edition of raisins would be okay for me. But it seemed like every page was a new raisin batch. Like, and that was my dominant takeaway from Robinson Crusoe in high school. Was too many raisins. That yeah. would be my word on it. So then when I had to read it again <laughs> in college, I came to it fully expecting to be just lambasted with raisins on every page. And I think they only came up like two or three times in the whole book. Like hardly a raisin to be found. Like, and you have to kind of marvel at how much your own mind and disposition oh, changes yeah. what you're noting oh, yeah. like. Totally. So funny. It is very hilarious. Anyways, we've given you quite a literature a meander through that event so let's talk about thanksgiving since that's what the whole world is trying to get ready for right now well i think probably by the time anybody listens to this they'll be toiling over the gravy and um we've taken taken your mind off somebody yeah somebody told me that they that they were making their shopping list and temptation list from last week good yeah good i it's important to yeah. get that curated. I had that meeting with my children where I was like, team meeting, it's time to talk. Like, have any of you ever been grumpy while doing work? Everyone's <laughs> like, yes, indeedy. We have all been grumpy. And I was like, was it really fun? Like, no, <laughs> nobody thought that was fun. I was like, have you ever been really cheerful while doing work? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, we have all been really cheerful while doing work. And I was like, was the difference, like if you boil it down, was the difference the job? Right. You know, were you cheerful with some jobs and grumpy with others? Or, and everything, no. It's like, right. So, what's the big determining factor in whether you are joyful in your work or grumpy in your work? Turns out, guys, it's not the specific jobs. No. And so, it's not specifically Thanksgiving or your guests or your whatever causing the problem. No. If you're not joyful, it's your heart. And it's true that it's easy to think that it's the situation's fault. That yeah, you because are you're all whizzed up about the doormat, you yeah. know, or whatever it is that's really <laughs> just putting you over your legal limit there. But when that happens, you know, when you're all frustrated about that, you really do, when someone says, what's wrong, you're like, the, the doormat. doormat. Like, that's what's wrong. And it's never like... My heart. My surly heart. My heart. <laughs> Being a dork. <laughs> but the thing is also, it's much easier to resist temptations when you're not in the middle of them. And so giving it a little thought in advance is not the same thing as actually actively resisting it. No, it's still going to happen, but you'll have an idea that, wow, here comes my petty temptation. But it's, it's kind of like, just look both ways before you cross the street. Right. And if you see the truck barreling down, don't step out in the road right now. Just wait. Give it a second till it passes. And if you sit and look both ways, like here are some things that might run me down tomorrow in the road. <laughs> well, because you think like... Figure out it, a way around it. Is it worse to lose your cool that 
your dinner is running 15 minutes late. Mm-hmm. Or is it like, could you just maybe Eat not? 15 minutes later. Could you stay joyful and run late mm-hmm. rather than <laughs> freak out? Well, because let's face it. Either way, you're going to be eating late. Yeah, so like there's you it's can not eat late, enjoy, enjoy, or eat late in great sorrow of spirit, <laughs> in making everyone else feel awkward, <laughs> making everyone be like, ah, are we imposing on you that we're here for Thanksgiving? Yes, you are. Yes, I did. Oh, didn't you see the doormat? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just important to know that our that that whole the whole like. This is something I was going to say about the Bible reading challenge. Yeah. Okay. So the whole thing about the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In so many areas of your life, what you want to be doing is obeying when the flesh is weak. Do you know what I mean? Like in those moments where you do not have the flesh working with you. Right. Like obeying then. Because what happens is that you develop a habit of steadiness. Which means yeah. like a habit of obedience when you don't have the emotional right. uh, like encouragement. Like when everything in you is wanting to bring you down. Yeah. Down, down, down. That's when you need to just be obedient. The reason I mentioned the Bible reading is because almost I think every Christian in the world knows what it is to have that moment where where the spirit's really willing and you are excited and you want to be reading your Bible and you want to be a faithful Bible reader and you all mm-hmm. this, but where everyone is losing their, their, uh, you know, where they're losing track of their goals is when the flesh is weak because right. then you're like, well, I don't really feel like it. I don't feel like I'm in the joy of the Lord. Right. I don't want to get up and read my Bible right now. And that the whole goal is learning to override your own flesh Yep. And come to the word because it strengthens you to continue to do that. Which means that over time you're developing a habit that disregards the flesh. Like right. where the flesh is not in charge of whether or not you're going to be in the word today. Like it's like this is something that we're just doing. An mm-hmm. act of faith and obedience. Right. And it's the same with any other Christian habit. Like kindness or laying down your own preferences or in the moment. Quickly or, apologizing. After yeah, like those messed up. And a lot of the time when you say, well, what you need to do is get it right, right away and get back in fellowship. People are like, but I don't, I don't feel that. Like I, I can't do it. Or like they think it's in the reality is it's not a superhuman gift that some people have. It is something it's a, it's like a muscle you can exercise to better use yeah. it where you just obey in faith. And you will, it will actually get more and more natural for you but I, to do. I think to, too, like, I've been thinking about this, that if there's a place where you frequently stumble, and that's going to be different for every human, you know, like your different temptations and your different personality and your different circumstances. But if there's a place where you just perennially stumble and you find yourself having to apologize for the same things over and over and over and over and over. And it's not that you don't want to obey there. You just continue to trip on the same little lip or whatever. And it seems like that in some way there's a, there, you have a muscle that's weak, Uh you know, like, and so then if you just try and isolate what muscle is it that in those moments of temptation, I need to use that muscle, but it's too weak and I never can get it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, how can I 
isolate that muscle and exercise it elsewhere. Like, That's a good point. And but one other thing that but I would like say. strengthen it. Try and strengthen the muscle that you're going to need in temptation. Try and strengthen it outside of the moment of temptation. Like try and strengthen it in order that you can use it in the temptation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be different for each person. But I just mean like it's just it's thinking, like okay, where can I get exercise on this muscle? In right. Place. Like yeah. if this is my bicep that I keep not being able to hit the ball or whatever it is, then start lifting weights in the mornings so that your bicep... One other other thing that I would bring up about that is that if you are constantly stumbling and confessing and stumbling and confessing and noticing no progress Mm -hmm. in an area, that is often because you are confessing something that was not the sin. Like, like if you're... Well, sometimes... But sometimes, sometimes it might just I'm be just the saying sin. it's something to reflect on. Is it sometimes you're confessing like being annoyed with someone, which you should, you know, yeah, that's a sin, but it might actually be an incredible amount of pride that is what is leading you oh, into this. Peel off and the, the layer. And I'm saying like, else. so yeah. it might be that you're confessing something sure. that in no way is dealing with the root problem. Like where you're coming up to a big weed in your garden and taking one leaf off of it. And then being like, yeah. how come this is still here? It's like when you need to root something out, yep. you need to look deeper there and think, yeah. okay, is there an underlying cause of this that I'm not looking at? And the best way to find that is to pray about it and ask the Lord to reveal it to you because think- that shows, it shows there's a certain amount of vulnerability when you say, Lord, draw my attention to my faults here. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes you're like, please don't though, please. I'd rather not have to look at that. Like, you know, like I would rather not have to look dead on at my own failings in this well, time. Well, I, I think that that's probably a different way of saying what I what I was saying too. Because like, let's say that you're continually, like you want to read the Bible every day, but when it comes right down to the moment, you actually don't want to, so you put it off and then, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say it's that. And then you feel bad that night and you, you know, want to do better. You resolve to do better tomorrow, but then you just, tomorrow, you just didn't you feel do like better. it. You don't yeah. do better. Well, it's like, okay, well, just try and isolate. What is that thing? And it is it like, well, it turns out that I'm really bad at doing things that I don't feel like doing. Like, mm-hmm. it's very likely that for the rest of your day, you're doing the same exact thing. It's just it doesn't, it doesn't flag for you because... Yep, like, like you always are delaying on the work you don't want to do. Do you delay you're on the work? You're not calling the dentist. You're not doing the things that you don't right, feel like doing. Right, or you're not getting to the grocery store, whatever it is. And and maybe it only you only see Maybe it you only feel guilty, guilty in, one in one area, place. yeah. And that's what I mean about, like, okay, am I just not good at facing, like, jobs that don't immediately appeal to me? If so, then I'm going to try and exercise that muscle. Like, yeah. I'm going to... And, and outside of... And, you know, missing your Bible reading isn't a sin in the same way. So... Uh, but I just mean, like, the same thing would be true if... Yeah, or, do you snap things. at your kids all the time? Yeah. Because, you know, whatever. You dislike noise. Well, because noise. you're super self-important. Or... Yeah. But you tend... Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we'll just try and isolate that. And then try and do some exercises... To strengthen that muscle so that when you need it in times of temptation, you can I think that there's, I want to say one thing and then we should probably wrap it up here. But when you're asking the Lord to show you yourself more accurately, Mm -hmm. to see yourself more clearly, there is a wonderful alternate side, which is seeing yourself 
clearly, like seeing your own failings clearly makes you see Christ more clearly. Like wanting to muddy the water so we don't have to notice our own sin and failings mm-hmm. is wanting to muddy the water so we don't have to notice his righteousness. Like, right. and that, that the idea you don't want to be monster introspective, like let yeah. me dig into my worst self because we all have a bottomless pit of worst self but when you're like I'm actually struggling with this I need to get something right then then don't be afraid to see it because what you want to see is Christ in it you know like you yeah. want to see the the counterpoint to that mm-hmm. and that idea of like I can't bear to see my own sin clearly is also not bearing to see his kindness to you his sure. mercy to you yeah. and that it is important to just as a Christian woman be brave enough to look in the face your sin and your salvation. Also, I'm supposed to say something, but I can't remember. Somebody, I my book is not, I think it's available for pre-order before Christmas or something, but it is not uh, going to be publicly available the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. And I may have given someone a heart attack by saying that on the <laughs> podcast last week. I'm like, I think it's going to be then. Yeah, I'll like, think it's surprise. then. And they're like, ah! I said, well, I could tell everyone, sorry, it's not that. I lied. I lied to you all. That but it should funny. still be available through Canon in time for Christmas. Awesome. So, however that exactly that pans out. Really funny. Yeah, I know. I like false that. alarm, guys. False alarm. <laughs> I did find that that was incredibly speedy. The funny thing is, I now I didn't even go back to check if they told me that because I thought that I was... I feel like when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense that it's Black Friday. You know, like... But then yeah. when I said it, I did think, that seems really fast. Yeah. But, yeah, anyways. Yeah. Okay. So, false have alarm. a very happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Cook hard, cook well. All right. And we'll talk to you next next week. Bye-bye. Oh, we didn't do a a thingy. It's 50. We're good. A tip. Our tip is to keep a grip on your toods. (laughs) That's our tip often. (laughs) It's our best tip, really. Anyway, all right. All right. See you next time. I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.